Hi, and welcome to the Drunk Dial Podcast. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels, and with me, as always, my co-host, Tana McDonald. What it is, though. <laughs> a very special uh, producer on the ones and twos, the wheels of steel, Thaddeus J. McKee. Hi, guys. I'm here. <laughs> he's, he's here. He's in another room. He's, he's, he's in the phantom zone. We are going to sound congested and phlegmy, and we're fine. It is the season. I think it's because we're in... Uh, February. Trick, trick uh, spring. Trick spring. Oh, no, that's exactly what's happening. It was- Full spring. <laughs> my face has so much pressure behind my eyes. Yeah, same. Uh, I just woke up just dripping all day. Came through dripping. Through my nose all day long. You have to clarify immediately that it's from your nose. Oh, yeah. And you- and the VD. There's a lot <laughs> riddled with it. Uh, Don't say it. <laughs> Someone's going to isolate it. I'm lousy with VD. Uh, <laughs> Ow. Why are we starting like this? I've never, I've never had, I've never had VD. Okay, good for you. I've never had uh, a scare. I had, no, that's not true. I have had a scare. Yeah, you're like in your 40s. Don't lie to me. I had a situation where I had to go to the doctor one time because I was itching down there. And I was like hooking up with this girl who was cheating on her boyfriend with me. As one does. And I was like, hey, doc, just tell it to me straight. Like, what did she give me? And the doctor said like, this long Latin name. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and it was like commonly known as Jock Itch. And, uh, you got a yeasty? and I was like, she gave me Jock Itch. You're like, no, you just have Jock Itch. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. They're oh. like, do you work in like a hot place? I was like, I work in a kitchen. She's like, yeah, you see baby powder. I was like, okay. Oh, my God. You're telling me in all of your hoe days, you've never had a scare of an STD other than that? No. No. That's fucking. You work in the service industry. You're yeah. full of it. I'm not saying I didn't get real lucky. Uh, <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> Jacques Hughes. Uh, and we have a very special guest with us in the studio today, Alexandria. I didn't catch a last name. Uh, not gonna use it. No, we don't have to. <laughs> I realized that in that moment, I was like, I don't think we clarified very, whether or not we should use that. Very special guest. Welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, babe. Thank you. And you guys know each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We met at a, what was the name of that music festival that we met at? Fuck if I know. I don't know. I've done drugs. My brain's bad. But uh, um, at the time, like uh, my ex-husband was managing a band, Hail Your Highness, that I've told you guys about. Um, And Alexandra was uh, doing photography and stuff. And were you like just shooting a bunch of bands or just the one band at the time? I was just shooting Hail Your Highness. Oh, that's it. I I did it just for fun. For funsies. It wasn't like a work thing, but. But Alexandria is very fucking talented. Has a real way of taking, like, definitely uh, people in motion at shows. Especially, I feel like you have to have a certain talent to capture, like, live shows. Especially in the dark and all these sweaty people. You always kind of, I don't know. I really love your work a lot. Thank you. Because like, <laughs> you're so fucking talented. Are like, you a professional photographer? So, um... I was doing freelance photography in mostly, like, the metal and pop punk scene. Okay. Um... And so, yeah, I, yeah, I've been published before, so I guess, yeah, I am. A yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> we were literally talking about like what notes we were gonna hit on. Just like, I mean, I would say you're like fairly famous, you're, like regionally famous. Mm-hmm. I was, I, no, not even famous. I said like regionally kind of popular. <laughs> yeah, that's also very good. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, I did. I did have. Um, I went out to New Jersey and shot a show there, um, and somebody recognized me. That's super and cool. And I was like, what? 
I was kind of freaking out a little bit because I was like, how, how the, the East Coast is like has here? a very thick, heavy metal scene. Like there's just like they also were one of the first areas to have like punk. So it is really cool that you got recognized in another area that's like pretty fucking known for stopping grounds. I love that for you. It was, uh, it was cool. The way I describe <laughs> Alexandria to people, I'm like, this is the person I know if I wanted to take a random road trip um, across the country, I would take her. Um, like it's either her or a grown ass man uh, because this bitch will throw hands. Oh. Yeah. I feel safe with her. <laughs> she does usually also carry swords. Oh, swords? Knives. Knives. Yeah. Oh man, we're going to have a gun person I, I and a knife person on today. <laughs> I do have a lot of swords. Nice. <laughs> so I get why she said swords. I thought, like I thought what kind of like, like katanas the, and battle axes and the, stuff? Or? Um, I have, uh, I do have, I don't want to call it a katana because like it, it looks like one, but it's, it's like, it was made by a guy named Phil probably. Probably. <laughs> okay. Um, and then I have, a like, oh my God, what is the fucking word? Hold on. Should um, I look up like types of swords? I can't. A replica. I have a replica of, um, not to out myself as a complete fucking nerd, but a uh, replica of Ren Okumura's sword from Blue Exorcist. And it's like a real sword. Like it has a sharp edge. Do you really? Yes. <laughs> have I not shown you? <laughs> no. Oh my God. Dude, next time I go to an you anime to... like convention, you want to come with me and like look at swords with me? Yes. And <laughs> Do you know how hard to... it was not to buy a cane filled sword? Why did you not? I had one for a second, but they I don't know They were only 40 bucks it. and I could have. Oh my God, Tenna. I know it was pink too. I loved it. Oh, fuck you. I can't believe you didn't. I know. I, I didn't up. even know this was like a subcategory, like sword sword girls. <laughs> oh, oh shit! You don't know about sword girls. Yeah. I went to that convention, and my ex husband texted me. He was just like, "Are you gonna be a fucking sword girl?" And I'm like, "No, the fuck, I'm not, Justin. I'm going through my cowboy and R and B phase." He's like, "I don't. You didn't disprove what I just said." I'm like, "Fuck you, man." That's uh, sword girls is a real vibe. <laughs> So in taking these like heavy metal, like photography, like what is like one of like, what's the most like famous band you got to meet because of doing photography? Oh God. Um, that's a hard question to answer because it kind of depends on. I guess you're like, fa your favorite, yeah, personal favorite. My personal favorite that I've gotten to like meet. Uh, I didn't get to meet all of them, mostly uh, Tom, but straight from the path. Um, they're a very, very politically charged band um there are a lot of people that, i don't know if people are gonna get mad if i say this but there are a lot of people that say they're like the modern rage against the machine mm -hmm. um and that's that's probably the biggest band that i've ever worked with with photography but i do want to say they did not pay me i did not like actually work for them but their guitarist gave like he pretty much just gave me a photo pass and told me anytime I'm coming to one of their shows, hit him up on Instagram and he'll get me a photo pass. That's so, pretty tight. Um, didn't get to like get hired by them or paid by them or anything, but knowing that I have a photo pass for them literally whenever I want. Or the fact that sick. you have that on your resume, like, cause obviously we know with using Instagram, it definitely helps out to show your work. Like you have that under your belt. Just like, look what I did. Yeah. And then uh, when I mentioned that show in um, Jersey, yes, New Jersey, uh, that one, I, my, I'm friends with a band called Keep Flying, and they played a show that night with Counterparts and, and Four Years Strong, and I got to shoot every band on the bill because they gave me all access. That's fucking sick. Um, fun fact, Four Years Strong looks like just 
normie dudes. Like they just look like dudes. <laughs> just like no, like like a step below bros. Just normal Midwestern like they folks. look like Midwestern dudes actually. Yeah, just some dads. They, like they were just dads in flannels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the uniform. Actually, that's a stand up comic room uh, uniform. Isn't that like a meme though? It's like the the it's like if your bass player looks like this and this is like a regular dude like he's about to tear the pit up or whatever. Yeah, I think that is <laughs> like the the nerd look. Like, yeah. The most, yeah. oh shit, that is, like, they'll wear like a collared shirt and glasses and have like a buzz cut or some yeah. shit. And he looks so normal and like even a little uppy, like classy or whatever. And oh shit, you know what? Think like about that guy, shreds. they're going to ruin everything. <laughs> they're gonna, this venue is going to be studs. <laughs> you know what? You just, that kind of hits me like every time I die, their fucking bass player is the most normal looking out of all of them. And their majority aside from Andy is pretty normal looking, but fuck, you're right. What happened with every time I die? They woke up. Because uh, Keith and oh. his brother were fighting. It was okay. stupid. Flatten? <laughs> they were fighting. They were fighting. Oh, I think they said they were flatting. I was like, what a way. They oh. flatlined. <laughs> I, I, you guys don't know a lot about uh, like metal bands, do you? Oh, come on. I don't know Thaddeus. <laughs> I know. I know you don't. Okay. <laughs> we talk about soul and R&B together. Mm-hmm. We do bond over that. Um, so Every Time I Die has been a band since like. I want to say the 90s. I was going to say, I recognize, really? the, I recognize that name. So it's Has, been around for a minute. For a while. Yeah. I could be wrong about the time. Because uh, I, I know they've been around forever. Uh, they're a hardcore band from Buffalo, New York. Um, it, Buck, Keith Buckley, his brother, Andy, who plays guitar. and also does wrestling in AEW. I can't remember the name, like any other members. That but, checks out. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> it's, uh, they're, fuck, their music's so good. And literally they released uh, their most recent album. Like, uh, I forget what it was called. It was like, had multiple colors on the album. Do you remember the name of it? Could not fucking tell you. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> but they like were on this fucking uphill and all of a sudden it was like, even after COVID, they were still doing really good. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're just having some scheduling issues. Okay. And then it turned into like, actually, we're having some communication issues. I'm like, okay, what's happening? And then like Keith Buckley's out of the band. I'm like, that's the lead singer. That doesn't make any sense. And then it's like, no, the band's breaking up. I'm like, oh, man. I will remember It's kind of what happened to Sleep Waker. I, I always have a Damn. problem with metal, like <laughs> understanding like, I like, because you know when you hear good metal, like, oh, wait, that's good. The guitar and the voice is matching up. But like I never know like like sometimes if someone's like it's like a garage band or they're new I can't tell oh they're gonna be good or not you know what mm. I mean I'm trying to think of all the house shows I've been to where you're like wow this band's gonna be big one day I'm like I I think I only had that well, the first time I saw Louisiana Lot Lizards because it was in someone's basement but they were already fairly established my favorite thing about metal is it was explained to me uh, by my friends that are in metal like how many different sub genres of it mm-hmm. so I'll be like why does this sound different like well this is pop this is candy candy uh, cotton candy metal like this <laughs> cotton is candy metal this, yeah <laughs> this is post core this uh-huh. is post hardcore this is hardcore yeah. this is uh, <laughs> like no it like the spread out and niche things I will go down a rabbit hole with somebody and it doesn't help that I used to work at a place called Guterd Center the oh. amount of conversations oh, that have wasted away from during my lunch break is astronomical like the amount of boys and straight leg pants and vans us just talking about like how would you describe them and I say they were like post hardcore <laughs> I still talk to Justin about this shit there I hate some people in that call center that were so fucking chill and, and then, then there uh, the other Rest of them was like the most annoying elitist. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm elitist about the elitist. Like when it comes to metal, um, like fans, the guy that like, oh, what, what's, what is it kind of metal? Oh, fuck. It's like really bougie metal. The only way I can, uh, fucking, this is going to bother me. 
Bougie, uh, what I'm, is bougie metal? I, I'm wondering the same thing. It's the people that are like super into like, it's got a 17 string guitar and we're just seeing how cool we can like fucking shred this. Melodic? For Not melodic, but it, there's another word for it. Uh, uh, technical? Rich kid metal? Rich kid metal. I wish <laughs> I could have my phone on. I would Google it. Ah, uh, fuck. I'll think of it later. and I'm going to be really pissed off. I couldn't think of it. My favorite kind is like I'm the bothered. three clowns that play in the porta potty together. You ever see the cloud core? You ever see cloud core? You're just describing Juggalo. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. You're being a jerk. No, it's like three dudes. Like, in a, like we'll pull it up here on the break. I'll show it to you. <laughs> oh, they play in porta potties? Yeah, they play. Just, can you Google uh, clouds and porta potties play metal? No. I don't like that. <laughs> <ICP. laughs> it sounds like, it's, it's, it sounds like ICP. I don't believe you. <laughs> Look, not all clouds are Juggalos. Wait, all Juggalos. <laughs> All juggalos are clowns, but not all clowns are juggalos. You know what? That's fair. You get one. You oh. get one. Actually, I will chop that up to uh, Clownvis Presley. Did I ever tell you I did a show for a guy that's an Elvis impersonator, but he's a clown? And he attracts a lot of juggalos. Him Himself, not a juggalo. He's actually... He's, you did not tell me that. And then, like, him without his makeup, he just is a normal looking dude with tattoos. Looks very scud punk, and that's hot. So he's that hot. Fun. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I love a scud punk. And then he channels all this whole character, and I'm like, I'm hard as hell. I, get like, <laughs> I was talking to the bartenders at Black Circle. I'm like, question. They're like, yeah. I'm like, Clavis is hot, right? They're like, yeah, it's fucking weird, dude. I don't get it. I'm like, what? Is my pussy broken? <laughs> I've never in all my years heard someone say a clown was hot before. No one has, except for Juggalettes. I don't know. Were you on Twitter when the It movies came out? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, because it was Sarsgaard, right? No, wait. Yeah, Sarsgaard. Yeah, when the like, All I know is I don't... Why? I don't like... What the fuck is... Cosplay for It is gross. Like, I don't... People who do cosplay for uh, It and people who do cosplay for... Freddy Cougar can get fucked. I don't like that. Stop it. Why? It's icky. <laughs> <laughs> it's icky. There's just something about like, don't make a sexy version of a child killer, you know? Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, it was the 80s. It was a different time. Everyone right was on cocaine. I will say, I, here we go. There's a video. Oh, so, my ass. So what they, the fuck are you about to sh- Brother. I don't think we what can pipe. What does a saxophone? I don't think we can pipe the sound in, but can we pipe the sound in? Also, I... Okay. But they're in a in a disabled uh, so it's slightly what bigger. What in the circus tent fuck am I looking at? <laughs> uh they're in a disabled uh porta potty the- so it's a little bit bigger. Hold on. And there's two of them. They got a full drum kit, two keyboards. Yeah. The acoustics in this restroom is perfect. <laughs> oh, I'm so congested. I don't I don't I don't think it's going to it's not going to play on the actual episode but uh, fast forward a little bit to when they're actually like going crazy. Oh, they're like playing like oh, melodic, yeah. melodic, <laughs> melodic jams. They do just straight metal breakdowns and stuff. See, I'm too. there. I'm here for that. Yeah. If I walk in, I'm like, don't mind if I do. But I, I love, I love when they cut back to the. It's just like an abandoned like portalette in the middle of a parking lot. I think they're trying to show off that they're real musicians, but like, uh, I mean. <gasps> There's some where they're just like thrashing it here. And I think every recording is there you go. Oh. <laughs> one second. <laughs> uh all right. But yeah, um speak speaking of getting hard. Uh <laughs> industrial metal. That's the weird shit I'm thinking about. Or like fucking uh Giant. Yeah. Thank you. Fucking thank you. <laughs> Please explain to them what that is. 
Because I can't explain it. Can Listen, you explain? I have no fucking idea how to explain Jen. I just know it, it exists and I know it. I know what it is when it's I hear it. It's very much like <laughs> the guys that like, they went to school to be music majors. Just so they, they can could, play jazz. They can play but jazz. But they play metal instead, but harder. And they're rude at bars because they like to talk <laughs> down to you about how your music taste sucks. And I'm yeah. like, Jared, shut the never fuck been, up. Have not you never, Jared, met, have you never met anyone not, in a band before? Yeah, <laughs> That's fair, actually. <laughs> The environment in band culture is very interesting because I feel like a lot of, I've met a lot of musicians who come into comedy and it makes sense to me. I'm like, oh yeah, you come over here. But then you see the environment within a band because a band, like when there's like four plus people, like that's a lot of energy to try to get on the same page. At least with comedy, we're by ourselves and I don't have to worry about me. When I I was in my hip hop group, we we did a lot of uh show like crossover shows with I forget like, every time <laughs> with like metal acts okay. so yeah and then i dated a girl who was like lead singer of a, of a metal band too so i got drugged to a lot of shows as well that also makes sense for you too so like all out. like all the like flyers that are upside like kuba's corner like mm-hmm. i'm just like i remember them like i've been to that show <laughs> Back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, real quick, I wanted to share this with you because this was super fun. I did a stand-up comedy show at a sex club on Friday. Oh, shit. I've been there. The fucking uh, one that used to be... Um, club, the mortuary? <laughs> it used to be a mortuary. Um, yeah. Excuse me? Okay, so, I did, we, okay, so I've done this show, and we're going to listen to Dyke's story. Holy fuck. Yeah. I'm di- I didn't see any Buck Wild stuff because I'm a little... Turns out I'm a little prude. Yeah, I'm just happy to do it with one person. It, it'll check you real quick. Like, how serious are you? How much of a freak are you? I'm like, I like weird stuff being done to me by one person. Uh, There's a whole audience here. I just had to. The thing is, I wasn't drinking, so like, I if I had a buzz going, I would have been down for watching everything. But I think just like sober, I'm just like, oh, I miss manners when I'm sober. I find out. Um, <laughs> miss manners. Doesn't it smell like Clorox and bleach in there, but also potatoes? Uh. <laughs> Oh no! We got we got the full. <laughs> they were very excited. So a guy I went to high school with is like a member, right? And like like I know he's like a full on, he's a full on perv. Like he does like, but he does like rope teaching classes. Like he teaches people how to like tie each other. Oh, he's that guy. Something. Cool. Yeah. I know who your friend is. And uh, oh, the Shibari guy. We, yeah, Shibari is like when it's like with the rope play and like a harnessing people up. Yeah, that looks fun. He's like real into that. Um. But, like, he was, like, very excited to give us the tour and, like, okay, and, like, take us down into, like, the mortuary, like, where they used to, like, embalm the bodies. Uh-huh. It's, like, a sex dungeon now. And so we went down there, and he's, like, showing us all around, and then he's, like, oh, we have a masseuse down here. And I guess my, I just thought, I don't know, because they have all these rooms, so I just figured that, in like, some rooms, if the door's open, you're welcome to watch. And he was explaining it, like, how it worked and everything. But I just figured everything was going to be off in the rooms, you know? Uh-huh. And so we're walking past, and I see a masseuse, and he, like, waves. And then I look, and his other hand is just inside somebody. It's like, there's just, like, a naked woman, like, face down on, like, a <laughs> massage face. table. Oh and and he, he was just like, oh, hey, guys. And I was like, hey. And then I see his other hand is just, like, fished right between her legs. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> we just, I just, like, eyes went down, and we just walked past her. Yeah, point. like, all of a sudden, it checks you. Yeah. I, the first time I went there, I almost, like, Kevin had hit me up. He's like, come watch the show and see how you feel. And if you don't want to do it, no biggie. Because, like, they're very upfront with the venue, just like, hey, comics here here and obviously they had the wristband role like if you're wearing it you're down to play if you're not wearing it leave me alone um and everybody just looking at every woman's wrists like with the quickness you're like look at these bare naked wrists i am not down for anything but like so i went to the one for uh 
uh, Daryl. I saw his, right? And it was, he did really great. And so was Sarah. Um, and I watched, I also in the audience was sitting with people and watched somebody get fingered. Just hands and pants. Didn't see anything graphic. But did you hear about Ray Hensley's show that he did? No. Somebody straight up fingered themselves on stage while he was on stage. That sounds about right. That was about right. I was like, I'm really happy no one fingered themselves when I did my set. I, the only thing that I was out of place, I guess, was like uh, when Dustin was on stage. I'm in the back, and this tall black guy comes out just wearing no pants, just just a full dangle out, just full Winnie the Pooh. He is holding his penis, right? He is holding his penis in one hand, but he comes walking out, and he just kind of like sticks his head in the in the showroom and watches Dustin, like and Dustin's like in the middle of a joke, and he just waits till he hits the punchline, and it goes. Huh. And then, like, turns around and just went, goes back to the gangbang or whatever. It was amazing. <laughs> Dustin is too pure. I just the way we can describe Dustin is he's very much a funkle. He's a fun uncle. Oh my god. He's a sweet man. He took his shirt off. Uh, they 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 kind of like bullied him into taking his shirt off, and then. But then, like, some girl in the front row, some woman, she was not a girl, some woman. Some, some grown asshole. Yeah, to be grown. clarified, there was nothing but adult women here. Yeah. Uh, flashed him in response, so he was very happy about that. And then, and then I was <laughs> I was the closer, and I told my ass tattoo story. because I was, you show it. I was like, oh, they're going to love this. And then I get done, and then... Uh, Kevin comes back up and it was like, he goes, I think who wants him to prove it? And everyone started shouting, prove it, prove it. So then I went up and then I was just like, is this, I don't even know if this is okay. I was like, does everyone consent to this? And everybody was like, yeah. And then I moved the audience and they liked it. And I was just like, oh my God, this is the most ridiculous thing. That got a bigger pop than any of my jokes. So whatever. You have a teenage boy's face on your butt. Yes. Underage teenage boy. You were also underage, right? No. Oh. No, it was just the only photo I had was his high school yearbook photo. And I didn't think about it until afterwards. I hate that I'm going to have to make you explain to her <laughs> this story. Because you've explained it a lot. So guess what you're going to do? On air. On air again. On air again. I, uh, that was a long story. I had a bet with my friend that if he ever had a foursome, that I would get a tattoo on my ass with his face that said my hero. And then he did. And then I, I reneged on the whole thing. And was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And then his birthday came around, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to get the My Hero, but I'll get the, the photo. And I, I had just a photo of him, like, and it, well, he was like, I mean, he was probably 22, so he looked still kind of young. I didn't realize it was from his fucking yearbook. I hate him. So I get it. I get the tattoo done, and, it, and then, like, he was like, you know, I was only 16 in that photo. And I was like, oh, God. Just put a mustache on it. Yeah. It just, <laughs> I'm just going to age him up as I age. <laughs> Just whenever you talk to ladies and they notice it and just hurry and put a, like an adult mustache or like a little, like a sticky on, like a little mustache from like Party City. I'm going to start making his hair thin out. On <laughs> holler. Just start scraping parts of your butt away. Uh, so, Alexandria, do you have like a, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you just had You a, gave us wings. Uh, do you have a, a, a website or do you have like a place where you want people to go to check out like your photography stuff? Um. I do have um, a an Instagram account for my photography. It's uh, kind of long. It's Deddington Photography. Um, I'm on hiatus right now, though, because of some health health issues. I don't know if I'm going to be coming back to that anytime soon. But if anybody wants to check it out, it's uh, Deddington Photography uh, on Instagram. 
Thanks. Can't wait to look. All right, we're gonna we're gonna be talking to some people. We'll be right back. Gang. 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 Hello. Hello, Ryan Erg. You're on the Drunk Dial podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm joined here uh, with uh, two of my comedian friends, uh, Tana McDonald Hi. and Thaddeus J. McKee. Hey, Ryan. Wow. Howdy. And then we have another guest in studio because we got a full boat today, Alexandria, who oh, wow. is a photographer. Hello. Hi. How are you doing today, Ryan? I am doing really good. I slept in and I scrolled TikTok for a few hours, so my day has been very filled with joy. What kind of TikTok are you looking at these days? What's your go-to? Oh, my FYP is wild. One minute there's like Matthew Stafford highlight reels, and then there is like um, why everyone should be transgender videos to uh, like videos of puppies to like court cases to then it's like those random like movies and like 15 parts that someone stole and put music over top so you can barely hear the dialogue <laughs> yeah my fyp is all over the place like my friends scroll through it and they're like, ryan this makes no sense i was like but also it says a lot about me <laughs> these are the things i engage with <laughs> i was i was telling my friends uh that we i met you last summer out in boston where are you at right now? Yeah. Where are you based out of? I, I live in Raleigh, but I move in New York next month. Oh, awesome. Hey. Uh, but we met, yeah, we met in Boston at a uh, hideout, at hideout show. Yeah. You were headlining, and you were talking to me uh, a lot uh, before the show about festivals, and you'd had a lot of success with festivals, and you were talking telling me about, like, how to apply and some, and some kind of, like, uh, you know, better practices and stuff, and I found it all very interesting. Um, well, good. What could you just for our audience? Could you tell us kind of like your comedy origin story into? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I started stand up about four and a half years ago in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, uh, I recorded a dry bar comedy special about a year into comedy, and then uh, the next year I did I think twelve festivals in in one year. Well, over the span of a year um, with COVID, I still count that. Like, I got accepted and then they got delayed or whatever. Um, I recorded my album with uh, Helium Records, and now it's streaming on SiriusXM. Uh, I've opened up for, like, a lot of big names, and they've invited me to go on tour with them. So I went on tour with Whitney Cummings when she prepared for her last Netflix special. We did a couple cities together. Okay. And then I've recently been uh, featuring for Michael Palisak, um throughout the South. So yeah, it's been it's been fun. I I love talking to people about festivals because um, it's like every festival I go to, they there's like a workshop about like how to get into festivals, and I was like, girl, we know, like we're here, <laughs> like we we did it right. Yeah. But like there's there's advice there that I always am like I give it out for free. I was like they like I give it out for free. They gave it to me for free. I can give it out for free. <laughs> so yeah. The one, the one thing that you told me that stuck with me that I kicked down to other people, if anyone cares to listen to me, is that uh, you were saying to get the submission as early as possible because yeah. those people get put up on a board of like people that they like, and then all the later ones have to go up against this person that's already on the board. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that makes well, so much sense. Well, it's like yes and no, because obviously every festival does things differently, which is why every festival I went to, I always asked them, like, what was the process? Like, uh, what was the scoring yeah. process like? And I was like, if you don't mind sharing with me, 
Um, and a lot of them were very transparent as in like, you know, your stuff got put out for, this is for most vessels, not all, um, but at least most vessels I've interacted with, um, is like your stuff gets out there, someone sees it. So one person vests it. And then if they like it, then they kind of like pass it on to the group. So your video gets seen by at least one person, but there's no guarantee it gets seen beyond one person in my limited research is like, even if there's a panel of four or five comedians, not everyone on the panel, like four or five people on the panel, they're not watching every submission individually. It's kind of like, did this one stand out? Great, because, you know, like some festivals get into the thousands. Like last year, JFL video submissions, they had over 1,400. Um, like there's just there's just no way every someone's going to watch every single submission. And so you kind of have to stand out in a way that people kind of like put you on your big board. It's like I was a theater teacher for nine years, and usually what happened was, Within the first 25 kids, there was a few standouts, and then they just became kind of the barometer. Like, are you better than Joe? Are you better than Amy? And kind of like that became the barometer. And so getting in early, one, a couple things that I've talked with other festival people is it makes you a little more memorable because you're one of the first ones they see, and so especially if your video is good and you're one of the first ones, they're like, they're really excited. Like, oh, yeah, a good one. Because like these people want good people on their festival so if they find something they like they put it up there and then they kind of compare everyone else to it um and so you're more likely to be a little more memorable and it's the same with like i'm a huge survivor and big brother fan and i've gotten help from like casting producers and stuff and all of them go you want to apply like the second it opens because once they fall in love with you they fall in love with you and they'll start to build around you um and i was like oh that's good to know so like like usually if you are like on the late call, like the last hour before submissions, by that point, they may have already had the 25 to 40 comedians they've already wanted. And they'll take your $40 yeah. <laughs> payment and they'll go, great. Here's the list. Cause like one festival, it's like, we're announcing the list this Wednesday deadline is this Sunday. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, you already know. What basically there's not a single person who applies on Saturday or Sunday who's getting in. Um, so apply as early as you possibly can. Cause then you have a, like, a greater likelihood of like being seen, especially if there's not a lot of submissions up front. They like, they could lock people in early. Um, this is also like so many people, so many people could listen to like, well, what if like so many people come in and like, they're better than you shortly after it's like, well, then that'll happen. Then I guess your video wasn't strong enough to get in. But every festival that I applied for within the first 24 hours, I got in and I think I only got into one festival that I waited beyond like a day or two. Everyone that I applied after like a couple weeks, I did not, I did not get in. Oh, wow. So, and, and maybe that's just, and that's, of course, that's like a limited scope and sequence. It's not like this is like a big like research project that we're citing and like we're going to go on Google Scholar and look up studies. This is just in my interactions with people who run festivals and people who have done festivals, the people who normally submit like immediately are usually pretty solid. Um, like there's a, like one comedian who sent me about, he's the one who told me about this. And after I followed his, his instructions, me and three other comedians who are all, I feel like very good, but we're struggling to get into festivals here and there. Once we all were like 1201, we submit the day it's open. Like our acceptance rate between like the three of us was well over 70%. Oh. So I think there's something to it that like once they go, yeah, this guy's great. 
Um, and if they share, and then if like the one person who views it shares it with the panel, and they'll go, yep, 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 he's great, um, or she's great, they could potentially be the bar that people are comparing to, or they just lock it in and go, all right, now we only have thirty three spots, not thirty four. Like, yeah. It, so, and of course, like some festivals, like they take into account like um, your demographic and what, like uh, maybe regionally, like we don't want too many from one scene or one part of the country. Like every festival is different. Where we're there, like some of them are like we want to make sure we have fifty fifty male female. We want to make sure we have LGBTQ or PSC. And some go, nope, we just take the best twenty five scores. Um, which you know, there's pros and cons to both um, concepts in my mind, but. Uh, yeah, like for the most part, the festivals I submitted to early are the festivals I went to. How excited are you to be moving to New York City? I I'm very excited. I've got uh, a couple like fun things in the works. Like I'm doing next week. I'm doing NACA National, which is a national hey. association of collegiate activities. So I'm a college comedian. So I do a yeah. lot of I do clean comedy, and so um, I'm getting to perform at the national um, booking event basically and so there's going to be like hundreds of college bookers there so like i could in theory book a lot of work for the upcoming year which is really exciting nice. um and then uh yeah i've just i've the way things have been like progressing in like my act and uh my contacts with you know uh representatives um there's some fun things in, in the works. So i'm very excited about that so have you seen crashing I have not. I don't. Is that on HBO? Because I don't have it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It, yeah it's on HBO. There's a scene where P. Holmes goes to uh, uh, to the NACA convention. What you're about to do, and they talked about phoning it in uh, for like college students based on what your other material was. And I was wondering if you ever feel like uh, you have to just cater for a certain audience, or if your material is just like I'm just gonna be myself. You like me or you don't. Yeah, actually, my agent was the one. He he he, he talked about that episode on crashing, and then I think Michael Palasek, who used to do a lot of colleges, uh, he said it's actually scary accurate <laughs> how it is. Um, no, I do my same act that I do at clubs at colleges, um, like like word for word. Like I don't I don't like tweak or change anything because I only work clean even at the club. Um, I don't need to like censor myself. Uh, I also don't do anything that's like particularly offensive. And so I, I don't feel the need to be like, well, if I, if I do this, I'm going to walk people like that's just not my style or most. So I don't change my act at all. Um, I actually love doing colleges. Uh, like some of them have been like soul crushing. Um, but then you get the paycheck after and like, that was worth it. Um, <laughs> like, that's, like, no, that's a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Like one time I performed for 13 people in a 700 seat auditorium with all the lights on and three people sat on the very last row. Oh my I was God. like, I was like, well, and then one time I was doing a lunchroom show at, uh, at a dinner time rush during a buffet. So basically every 20 minutes I had a new crowd and I was oh. like, I can just like recycle the hits. Like I I'm doing callbacks. None of these people heard the setup. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that I think they're a lot of fun. I like doing them. I wanted to get in the college circuit, for a while, I met my agent through a comedy festival. He saw me perform and um, signed me there. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of comedy festivals. I've made so many different connections and like career advancement because of it. So yeah, but I I don't change my act at all for uh, college stuff. Awesome, thank you. How's uh how's working with Whitney? Oh, she is so nice. She like she's so sweet. Like I. 
I was already doing her shows through uh, through the Carolinas, and then she texted me one day. She goes, "Hey, any because I live in Raleigh right now, but she's just like, hey, any chance um, you're going to be in Utah this weekend? I need an opener at Kingsbury Hall.'" And I was like, "Um, yeah, I actually will be." And then I immediately booked a flight. <laughs> <laughs> and, I will figure uh, out a way to get there. <laughs> yeah. And she is, she's like super sweet. Like she'll, she like listen to my set and like give me feedback. Like after, like she'll like watch my set. I go up there and then she goes up there and does her hour. And then we walk up there and she goes, Ryan, this one joke that you said, like, I was like, how do you remember that? Like you've just been out there. Um, but she was really nice, super sweet. I, I really adore her. She's been super great to me. Like I, I got really fortunate to open for her at Wise Guys at a the comedy club in Utah. Um, during COVID because her regular opener couldn't go on the road because of COVID. Yeah. So I, like, they asked, like, the club, like, hey, they're local. And I had asked, and like, hey, if there's an opportunity to open for Whitney Cummings, I'd love to do it. So they recommended me, and I got very lucky because most of the time she tours with her opener. So very rarely do locals, like, get to open for her. And so, like, after that, she's like, yeah, like, if you ever want to do shows with me, just let me know. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like, no, I'm really good. I'm good, Whitney Cummings. I don't <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I don't, I don't want to do theaters. Like, <laughs> no, she's, she's really, really, really sweet and really kind. And very and attentive. Like, that is insane to like have that attention to like. Like, I just finished up like like an hour, but I'll, like here, here, I have a tag for you. Like, that's really nice. Well, yeah, no, like it's literally happened. Like, she did her hour, and then there's like a 45 minute like meet and greet where people like line up at the stage and take pictures, and then we're walking off. She's like, that was fun. Ryan, your joke about your Honda Accord. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, no, she's she's really great. Really, really, really sweet. And I, I adore her. Those theaters uh, hit different. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a theater person. Like, I was a theater person. I mean, I prefer, honestly, small town room. Like, we have a small room here in Raleigh because our good nights moved and reopened and we have a small little room kind of like the helium and indie uh-huh. um where it's just like a 75 seater oh my gosh i love small rooms so much because it's so loud everyone everyone's right there and it's so weird like having a delay on the laugh and having to fill like that space where it is a little intimidating the echo uh, is. Like, yeah yeah we're being like i know everyone's laughing but it doesn't feel super loud, yeah. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then when it, but then when you do like pop off, like oh wow, that was really loud, like <laughs> like that's so fun. Because like I did when I did the Salt Lake show, I had I had some friends and family in the crowd, and I did a, a, a joke specific to like Mormons that really only works in Utah, and it like was the room like it just like erupted. And I was like ah. Oh. I felt like a god. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so incredible. That is a very like, nice feeling when was, you hit the area. You're like, oh yeah, I know this joke's yeah, for you guys. Yeah. Because like, I grew up Mormon. I went on a mission. Like I, I did that whole thing. Uh, and like, so when I, I have like Mormon Utah jokes that I can't, that just don't work outside of Utah. Because just the context of like, they don't understand the setup nor the punchline. So when I get to Utah, I always do. I always have a few jokes. I'm like, mm, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Now, are, Mormon, uh, are Mormons good audience members for an ex-Mormon who's openly gay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I I, I sold out I, I sold out when I was at Wise Good Comedy Club last month. I sold out the weekend. Um, and there, there's so many couples that come up and they're like husbands. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you were so funny. Because I'm not rude. I'm not like, I'm not disrespectful of like, yeah. I just like acknowledge like, hey, I was raised Mormon. I went on a mission. Here's a funny story about that. Yeah. Like, hey, like. I like growing up Mormon, like as a teenager, this was the fun, this was a silly little thing we did. It's not like Mormons are trash. Like that's not at all my vibe. So like people get on. And because I do clean, 
people are kind of shocked to find at the end they're like oh he like he didn't even curse like he didn't do one thing like it's like it it, it kind of catches him off guard um i call myself the queen of clean gay comedy yeah. um <laughs> And so, like, I, I actually, I actually love that. I actually walked a table um, last year with, with you for what? that because I was too clean. They said we didn't come to a clean comedy show; we came to a comedy show. They asked for a refund from the manager because my show was too clean. Because you were just too much like, of a silly goose. Yeah, I was That's just like <laughs> babysitters club, <laughs> <laughs> like. Like, literally, like, they asked her even, and the manager was like, no, they're like, well, we didn't know we were coming to do comedy shows. She's like, the show was listed as PG. Like, what What did you expect? Like, well, we expect comedy. Like, they would, like, swear or whatever. Like, like we list them when it says R. That's what you can expect. But, well, like, PG-13, we're not talking not. about gaping. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. I feel so, like, like it was, okay, I, I walked the table because I was too clean. So, like, I, that's something I wear as, like, a pride, like a badge of honor. You should. I was like, name one other comedian who did that. Yeah. I feel like with comedy, like, if you're good, you're good. I have, like, I, myself, I don't work. I have a clean section. Hey, first off, I do. And you I don't know, work at all. I don't work at all. But I have, a, like, I have like, my clean set for, like, whenever I do corporate shows or whatever. And yeah. I definitely, like, it. to me, it doesn't matter. If you can, if you predominantly work clean, you're funny and you're funny. I don't care. Like, yeah, do that shit. I love that you walked a table, though. They're like, he's just too polite. What's also crazy, right? Like, li- Cause like I remember like it. watching you and if you I didn't I didn't well, I didn't even know you were a clean comic I just remember you being funny exactly and you had you know I just remember enjoying the set I wasn't like that was some good clean comedy you know <laughs> I I sometimes like acknowledge it at the very end where I'll say something or like I have a joke where I say the word bitch because I'm a bad boy um, <laughs> but like sometimes I'll end on that joke and some people are like what. Like, like, like that's when they realize, oh my gosh, that's the first time he swore in fifty-five minutes. I like, took my fucking son to the show. <laughs> he said, "Fucking bitch, I'm out of here." That rap scallion. Well, and some people like I think because the the expectation, especially as like a gay comedian, is like you're going to talk about like hooking up with men in alleyways and like whatever, <laughs> like like they're like that's their expectation that you're going to be all about like grinder and i was like no like i write about what i know and what i know is not that <laughs> <laughs> this is the babysitter's club, the babysitter's what club. I know is sitting at a chili is waiting for my date <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what i know <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> so yeah like i just like i write about things that i find fun and like i do think i i some people are like clean comedy is harder to write and i was like i guess it's i I for me like that's I started as a middle school teacher in Utah so like I knew that I was just gonna like be clean just because I was like I don't want to lose my job I don't want to do I like I don't want to have like awkward conversations with my boss or students finding videos of me or whatnot um so like that was my mindset starting so I always started as a clean comedian I've always worked as a clean comedian so for me it's all I know so I can't necessarily like speak to, like is, is it hard or not but I think the people who don't work clean if you try to work clean you like flex the new muscle you find new things and like you said like funny is funny and um i think everyone should have a nice a nice 15 clean mm-hmm. um because you never know when that's going to come in handy it super comes in handy, especially for hosting at clubs is a nice mm-hmm. muscle to exercise i feel like it's important and like i also work, used to work with kids so you get a way to kind of maneuver certain like the way you would communicate adults an innuendo or just like something that's not even an innuendo, but there's certain ways we communicate with adults around children. And it does give you a nice little flex, especially for if you, you know, if you want to get booked more working clean sometimes does help a fuck ton. Mm. It, yeah. it, it, 
It does. Like I like so many headliners, like one club booker. When I told him I do clean, he's like, Oh my gosh, that's so great. Cause like, like headliners like David Spade and other people request clean openers. Like, like not that, not that David Spade's clean by any sense of imagination. He just goes, I want to do all the dirty stuff. Like, yeah. no, that makes sense, I don't though. want, I, like, yeah. And so like, it's like, you know, even like dirty, like I opened for Whitney Cummings who people would not classify as a clean comedian. Um, but like funny is funny and it's easier for her. Cause then like wherever she goes, we're not like rehashing the same territory. Like, like she knows that like any of her topics, I'm not going to talk about. So like, it's not like there's a concern. And so that's why I think everyone should, should try and work clean for at least a little bit. It's not for everyone, but I think you should try. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for talking to us. I appreciate it. Uh, where no can problem. Be- Thanks for having me on. Where can people find you and follow you on social media? Um, on most platforms, I'm Rye Irwin, R-Y-E-R-W-I-N, um, or Ryan Irwin Coffee. Those are my two handles. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Bye, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye. Your call has been forwarded <laughs> to an automated voice Hate messaging system. about a bitch. Two, one, three, oh. three, three, zero. Hello? Hi, Joey. Welcome to the Drunk Dial Podcast. Hi. How are you? I am lovely. Sorry, I had a scam offer on my phone. Oh. Oh. Yeah, well, we're a scam. This is a scam. (laughs) I I know. I know. I need you to send $1,000 to Nigeria right now. It's like super important. (laughs) I'm the prince. (laughs) I'm the prince. (laughs) I'm the captain now. (laughs) No. Uh, you're on the line with uh, my friends uh, Tana and uh, Thad and Alexandria. Hi. Hi. I was now. I was just showing them your Instagram. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's some photos of you on there where you forgot to put on your pants. Uh, uh, that's so funny. Oh, just my pants hurt like everything. <laughs> I tend to do that. I forget a lot. I'm old. <laughs> well, there was there was a, there was a lot of discussion about what kind of truck that you were like modeling next to, <laughs> and if you liked that certain kind of truck. I was like, I don't think she cares about the truck, but she might care. Maybe about Maybe you truck. care about the truck. So, do you do you have an opinion on the trucks that you model next to, or you just? No, I did it for a friend of mine, and, uh, like, I love cars, but I'm not a big truck fan, but since I'm in Texas, you know, it's like, you uh, got a model next to a truck in Texas. It's mandatory. Where queers you... and queers and trucks. <laughs> now, you said, you said you were driving for two hours, but, like, that makes sense in Texas, because I feel like everything's at least two hours apart from each other. Yeah, I'm driving to Laredo to get some dick. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I I know it's really far, but I just uh, just broke up my boyfriend yesterday. Oh, so he got a he got he got an accident. He got in a rollover accident in a side by side, and uh, he broke like four of his vertebrae, like five of his ribs, or something, a bunch of other bullshit, right? And everybody's like, "Wow, you're a terrible girlfriend." But I found out like two hours after I found out that he got this wreck that he was with his ex girlfriend when this happened. So like, I'm like, hold up. Wait a minute. What? That was fast acting karma. Yeah, that was fast acting karma. I love that. But also, you know what? I love instant karma. <laughs> I think what you're doing right now is very responsible. Go get that dick. 
I will say this. I have driven yeah. much farther for dick. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm about to go have some angry sex to forget about a bitch, I will. I will drive two hours I, for I it. I gotta say you're doing it wrong. You should make that dick come to you. Two hours is a long time. Dick is <laughs> a, abundant and in high supply. You should not have to drive two well, hours for dick. You don't want the dick to come that to you because you don't want them to where you live. Oh, that's fair. Well, that is fair. So he does not know where I live. He knows roundabout. And normally he does. Normally he does live in San Antonio, but he's working right now. So he's out for work. And so I'm like, well, this is like the perfect time. You know, fuck it. Thanks. So you, we called you uh, because you just started a, a, a YouTube channel called Gun Buddy. Gun Buddy 101, right? And what are you what are you what are you doing on this YouTube channel? Um, I just want to teach people who don't know shit about guns something about guns so that they are like more friendly with them. They respect them instead of fearing them. It's like a big deal to me because like Second Amendment right is real important. And I don't think everybody should own a gun, but like I think that if you should want to own a gun, like you should be able to own a gun. So just getting people like more familiarized and Hopefully being safe, right? So that's like really important. Well, I feel like in Texas, they just get, hand everyone a gun. Is that not true? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. No, you just have to go through a background check um, before you can get it. But you get it relatively fast, even with the background check, which is really nice because, honestly, like, me as a female, I'm going to be really real with you right now. Like, me as a female, if my civic other was, like, beat the shit out of me regularly and I kicked him out and then I went and got a restraining order. Like, what is that restraining order going to do for me? Yeah. That dude's already breaking the law. You know what I'm saying? So I need to have something to protect myself because honestly, cops can't show up looking out. All they do is they show up to clean up the mess. You have to be proactive instead of reactive. And so that's really what I like advocate for. It's just like, make sure you're protecting yourself because honestly, nobody else can. You know, it's not anybody else's responsibility really. It's your own. Yeah, well, and well, what I like about what your videos are doing because like I, I feel like sometimes guns get so uh, politicized in, into like a this or that, but like I think it's okay to be into guns, and I think it's also okay to practice gun safety. I don't think gun safety Ooh. and being a, a good responsible gun owner is a bad thing. You know, like I feel like sometimes when you're like, Hey, gun safety, people are like, no, I just want to twirl my gun. Like it's the old West. <laughs> <laughs> like it's okay. Corral. Yeah. It's like, all right. But you know, like, yeah, that is a good point though. You can have both of those things. Yeah. And I like, I like that you said gun safety. I think that's important because you know, a lot guns have been getting kind of like a bad rap lately. <laughs> Like, you know, during, like, the school shootings and, like, uh, other things that have been happening with guns and people going too far, especially with riots. But, like, people, like, focus on the deaths. But there's actually people out there that are talking about the safety, and I think that is important and that could save a life. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I, so I'm a veteran, and, of course, I was, like, exposed to guns through, you know, doing my service and whatnot. But, like, outside of that, I really didn't know a lot about guns. And I know it sounds bizarre, but, like, you're only taught really very little about weapons when you join, unless you're, like, infantry or something like that, right? So um, it was really vital for me to, when I got out, to, like, learn as much as I could about this stuff. But honestly, like, safety, so criminals, I want to get back on track here, criminals don't follow the law, right? Like, that's well known. So regardless if you boycott guns or you 
hate guys, you think nobody should own them, and you just want to get rid of all of them, they're always going to be a thing. Always. Like, it's like heroin. You say heroin's not safe. We don't want people doing heroin, but they still do it, right? That's why Same I do heroin safety guys. classes. <laughs> I have a heroin yeah, safety and, class. And yeah, exactly. Like, you should be safe. If you've got to use heroin, at least don't poke other people with the needle. Amen. You know? That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> but be safe. Like, knowledge is so. No, but, like, you should be able to have your Second Amendment right, but also, like, be smart, be safe, feel comfortable with it, right? You're not, you don't want some bozo out here running around open carry a gun out of a holster like just not knowing how to even use their weapon like yeah that's crazy now uh so i think oh i'm sorry tenna had a question about uh when you were born uh, we don't have to jump to that. We don't have to. Uh, we were looking at your Instagram, and my first thought was like, "I wonder what her zodiac is." Because I'm trash. What's your zodiac? Oh, I'm a Taurus. Oh my god, fun! Okay. All right, Dyke, are you happy? I did it. No follow up question. <laughs> That's it. I like. I don't have any problem with Tauruses. I have a lot of Taurus friends. Now you're, Joey. You're very. You're you're from the internet. Like you're very very. You you were bold in it. Bolded by it. But uh, I mean, uh, but you're you're starting this, you know, kind of newer YouTube channel up from scratch, and you know, you're, uh, you know, a woman in this world doing anything. I'm sure there's going to be some misogyny, you know, pointed at you. Have you run into anything about being a woman in uh, gun culture? Has there been any, any blowback, so to speak? Well, just seeing like in the service in general. Like, when I was in the service, I had a ton of it, right? So, like, you were like, oh, you don't even deserve to deploy. What are you doing here? You're just a pistol pusher. Like, if you if something were to happen to you, I would have to carry you. You couldn't carry me if something happened to me. Like, blah, blah, blah. My dick's big, blah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, as a female, like, just across the board, men who are intimidated by you and your ability to do whatever, like, it doesn't even matter just in the community, but, like, every community. Dudes will like just pound you. You know what I mean? They just have to be like, yeah, you're, you're a bitch. <laughs> like, honestly, I would treat you like I treat everybody, whether you're female or a man, like, you're a bitch if you put down on somebody. And that just shows, like, honestly, if somebody's talking down on you all the time, male or female, like, you're doing good. Yeah. So, fuck them. The, yeah. Like, you're doing good, fuck them. Yeah, you you got a pretty you got a pretty healthy attitude about dealing with uh, online trolls. I feel like, and and real life trolls, <laughs> and, and shitty boyfriends. <laughs> oh my god! Now, now how long were you oh in the military? Uh, six years. I spent a year in Iraq, um, but it's six years. That's dope. Hot damn! What? What are some uh, What are some things to expect coming up from your uh, YouTube channel? Like, what are some of the things that you're excited about doing? Um, on my YouTube channel, I really want to get some instructors, like firearm instructors, on there to just talk about like their personal setup, uh, like gun gun wise, like whether they have a rifle, whether they have a shotgun, whether they have a handgun, what they have on the handgun, what they bought, why they bought it, like all this stuff is so intriguing to me that we can have so many different setups and like no setup is particularly right right like setup is particularly the best it depends on the person it's like a fingerprint almost like it's very individualized but there's 
just stuff coming out like every day. And so like I wanna just promote like the veterans around me who are good people and are putting out good stuff and um I wanna promote like yeah, like you said, like firearm safety and getting instructors involved to do like interviews. Um, I personally want to shoot like every gun on the man. What kind of what kind of gu- what kind of guns do you actually what do you what do you got at home? What do you own? I only have my my Glock right now. So it's a Gen Five uh, Glock Seventeen, and that's all I own. But I love it honestly. But you know they're expensive, so I got to come up with money. And once I get money, I'll get more guns. Yeah, you think you could build like do like a gun building class? Teach people how to like build guns. Do you mean put them build together? Like, like... Yeah. Yeah, I'm more like personalizing. I'm not gonna be like I'm not like a gunsmith or an armor or something like that, but like definitely like personalizing or you know just tweaking. Because you can do this just like a car, right? Like you can add things to it to scoop it up to make it a little bit better than factory. Nice. Okay. Well, Joey, thank you for talking to us. Uh, good luck on your adventure to get penis. Gang. Uh, yes. Where can people find you and follow you? Uh, check out this YouTube channel and everything. Where are your socials? Gun Bunny 101. I like got everything across the board. You search that, you'll find my Twitter, you'll find my Instagram, you'll find my YouTube, and then on my Instagram is the link tree to everything. So. Gun Bunny 101. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joey. A pleasure talking to you as always. Have a good one. Have a good Behave Thanks. yourself. Well, don't, don't behave I yourself. You guys never. I never ever pay myself. You should know this. <laughs> Bye-bye.